Good morning, everyone, and, and welcome to our Conscious Capitalism Rochester uh, August meeting today. Uh, we're really excited to share uh, about building culture virtually. It was definitely a topic that uh, there was a lot of registrations rolling in, a lot of people really interested in, in hearing about some of these best practices, and, and, and we can certainly uh, make time for a lot of audience questions. So the plan is to spend about 45 minutes uh, kind of talking as a panel, uh, but feel free as we're going to, to shoot any of your questions into the Q&A, uh, and we'll spend at least a half an hour at the end uh, really getting, getting into some of those questions as well. For those that have never been to a Conscious Capitalism Rochester meeting before, uh, Conscious Capitalism is, is based on four key tenets. Uh, it was started by Raj Sisodia. He wrote a book called Firms of Endearment back in 2007 and started this whole movement. And it really keyed in on these four tenets uh, of what came to be known as conscious capitalism. First, that they have a higher purpose beyond just making profits. You know, you need profits to survive. You got to keep the lights on. But the purpose of the company can and maybe even should go beyond that. Uh, they also have a stakeholder orientation. So rather than prioritizing the stockholders, it's how do we balance the needs of the customers, the community, the employees, the environment, really this entire, uh, this entire ecosystem that surrounds and supports the community. Uh, additionally, there is a, a, a conscious leadership. So, so leaders have to grow for the organization to grow. They're servant leaders. They empower their folks. Uh, and finally, those leaders are trying to create a conscious culture. And that's really what we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about today. Uh, really, how do you focus on prioritizing the, the well-being of your employees, their, their, their growth, their engagement, and, and ultimately what conscious capitalism, you know, has found is that these companies actually in the long run, they end up making more money too. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with, with that. And, and oftentimes, uh, you know, the, the ways that customers, more, more and more customers want to be conscious of the way that they're spending their money. Uh, more and more employees want to find, want to be conscious of, of the ways that they're, you know, what, what types of companies that they want to work for. And so it really becomes a, a self-reinforcing system. And, and that's really uh, what we wanted to talk about today because we have three folks here with us today, uh, Kim Allen from Dixon Schwabel, Brian Beal from Paylocity, and Sean Flaherty from ITX, all of which are companies that have long focused on culture. And in the, in the case of Dixon Schwabel and ITX, had to make a, a little bit of a pivot to figure out what that looks like in this virtual environment. And, and then uh, in the case of Paylocity has, for the most part, been, been virtual for, for quite a while. And we can learn a little bit about some of those best practices and what, if anything, changed uh, given the pandemic uh, in, in their company as well. So uh, without further ado, I just wanted to jump right into it. And I think, uh, I think we're going to start, I, I, I just, I guess we'll, we'll start with, with Kim Allen. So um, actually, um, how dare I forget to, to thank all of our sponsors. Uh, so thanks to our visionary partners at Accelerate, Clean Craft, and, and the Bonadio Group. And our sustaining partners at Benefit Link, Home Leasing, Nazareth College, SWBR, Two Point Capital Management, Grit Health, and, and very newly also now the, the Monroe County Library System. So th thanks to all of them. And, uh, and we really couldn't do it without all of you. And, and now we are, we are excited to, to jump right into our program for the day. So I'll, I will start with, with Kim Allen, who is a graduate of Ithaca College with a BS in Communications. Kim began her career in public relations in 1996 as an administrative assistant at Eric Mower and Associates. She joined Dixon Schwabel in 2001, taking on the role of managing partner in 2010. In her current role, Kim serves as the go-to for counsel and execution of all client crises and issues management needs. 
She serves as the spokesperson for the firm in absence of CEO Lauren Dixon and President Mike Schwabel and plays a crucial role within the agency, providing overall strategy for agency growth and development. Kim is also the incoming CEO for Dixon Schwabel, so we're really excited to have her today. And Kim is a mom of two young children, her daughter Norin, 12, and son Simon, also 12. She resides in Victor and with her kids and her husband, and her, her husband, Josh Allen, is not the Buffalo Bills quarterback. She wants to make sure all of you know. So sorry for any disappointment there. Uh, Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, as, as many in, in Rochester will know, uh, Dixon Travel has long been focused on culture and, and how, to, how to build culture and, and has been recognized as a great place to work for many years. Uh, Lauren has certainly been a champion of, of that whole organization for quite a long time. So I, I'm just curious, you know, tell us a little bit about what it was like in March um, when, when you had to shut down and, and, and kind of where things stand and, and how you tried to pivot. Yeah, um, one word for it was scary. It was really scary. Um, there was so much unknown. There was so much information coming that was fragmented. Um, we started really paying attention very early in March. And I, I remember um, we all, as a, um, a smaller portion of our leadership team got together to start to strategize, what does it look like if we have to shut down? So having a little bit of foresight and seeing what was coming across the West Coast or starting in the West Coast and could possibly make its way here, reading about what was happening overseas, um, we decided just to get our thinking ahead of the game. So looking at technology, you know, the majority of our folks are laptop enabled, so they're mobile. Uh, we do have folks that work in other parts of the country. So we were most of the way there. We do have though 20 professionals who are still docked to desktop stations. Um, and those are more on our production and creative side of things where they need a lot of powerful equipment. We're slowly transitioning them, but we hadn't gotten there yet. However, we were Microsoft 365 enabled. Um, we were interconnected. So there were lots of good reasons why we should be able to flip the switch pretty quickly, but we did have to do some thinking about it. So we got ahead of the game and um, then just kind of sat and wait. And we got ahead of the communications game too. We talked to our employees about what our I'm in the office. Um, could they travel? If they traveled, what did they need to do? This was all happening, I want to say, between March 6th and 10th. Um, so we we're just a, a little bit ahead of when the schools shut down. Um, and then we also sent the communications out to clients. So making sure that those were aligned. So employees knew what to expect of their behaviors at work. And then our clients knew how our employees were going to be behaving at work. So that alignment was really key for us. And then as soon as the school systems decided to close, which happened on a Saturday, if you all remember, um, that Friday before we told everybody, take your equipment home just in case, be prepared to not come into work on Monday. We didn't think they wouldn't be at work on Monday for six months, but uh, we got them all home and um, we made a, an announcement on Sunday morning that we would not be opening and to stay tuned for future communications. And that's how we made our work. Mm. And, and yeah, I remember many of us were in the mindset of, you know, maybe this will be a couple of weeks, maybe a month and, and little did we know everything that was coming. So I think in the first, the first couple of weeks, people were just trying to survive, but how did then, uh, you know, as, as it started to become more, more clear that this was going to be a longer term thing, how, how did you all pivot? What did, what is your typical week? Like, how did you start to change into, uh, you know, really being a, a remote workforce for the, for the foreseeable future? We started instantly with all leadership met at eight o'clock every single day. And so we had our finger on the pulse of the organization, people on the leadership team 
tend to represent every facet of our organization as they do in most um, companies. So we had a good finger on the pulse of how's your team doing? What are you hearing? And then we made the decision that first week to do weekly check-in calls. So the entire leadership team split up our 100-person employee list and we made um, weekly phone calls to the team to just check in. How are things going? How are you feeling? What do you need? Do you have your equipment? Making arrangements for people to come get that second monitor. Um, can you water my plants? You know, just silly things that you didn't even think about. So, um, and then making sure technology was working. We had to expand um, our um, broadband a little bit and getting that in place. That took a week, um, but we had VPN. We were able to get everybody into any um, files that they needed in the office remotely so that wasn't a problem so just kind of working out kinks and identifying places that we may have missed in that pre-planning session from a couple weeks prior but for the most part the real big focus was on the people um are you comfortable do you have what you need are you safe do you feel safe um we did an employee survey pretty early on to get a temperature check um and then another one later and it was interesting to see the shift go from exactly what you said, that disorientation of, oh, I'm working from home, how's this gonna work? How long am I gonna be here? Do I have everything I need? To, this is kind of a bummer. I miss my people. You know, I feel weird locked in my house all day. I can't get outside, I can't go to a restaurant. And so you saw the mental health shift start to happen and finding ways to help um, connect with people in that way and make sure that they were taken care of that way too. So there's been an evolution and I don't think our trajectory has been any different from anybody else. Now, has there been anything along the way that uh, that surprised you? You know, despite the the best intentions and, and planning, that that something that surprised you along the way in terms of the shift. One hundred percent productivity. We had no idea that we could be this productive with one hundred percent of our workforce not in the office, and that has been a pleasant surprise. Um, I know, you know, we're a smaller business, regionally focused, and I know larger companies are used to remote workforce all the time in the service industry, and specifically in marketing. That's really scary. When you have a creative product where it's important for people to be collaborating and sharing energy and creative thinking and designing um, concepts for large campaigns, you worry, can, this be, can that kind of energy be replicated when you're not all together? And quite honestly, I think we've done some of our best work in these last six months. So that was the big surprise is we are just as pr productive as when we were in the office together. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've read a few things that Lauren has written in the in the RBJ. Kind of surprised her, surprised as well about how how well it was able to to kind of translate to the the virtual environment. Uh, but has there been anything you know specifically? I, I know that I know that you can't install. I, for, for those who don't know, there's there's a there's a slide at their office. Uh, <laughs> I know you can't install one of those in everybody's homes. But what other ways have you tried to bring that you know that Dixon Schwabel feel and culture? Uh, into your kind of every day at, at, in, in a virtual environment? Well, you mentioned early on in um, your introduction that culture has always sort of been the foundation of this organization. So we knew early on that that was something that might suffer if we were apart. So we put an intentional focus on that right out of the gate and got a small team together. We had two teams that we formed instantly. One was a team focused on how can we keep culture alive and the other was a team that we called other side planning, knowing that the world was gonna change, our world was gonna change, what were some things that we can do to um, think futuristically about our business and how we're gonna need to serve. So the team that was focused on culture um, started brainstorming We lose Kim. Is that me?
transmissions from brewing beer, you know, home brewing beer to pottery, um, crafting, and they end up being how-tos. Um, Justin Shaw on our team just released a video of a, uh, MTV Cribs. If you're as old as I am, you know what that show is. Um, it's an MTV Cribs style video, a tour of his um, hundred and some odd year home in Canadagua. Um, and then we had this really great video that was just released. We have um, a slam poet on our team. His name's Marquise Burton, and he had written some work around the Black Lives Movement matter that had, you know, he was inspired and sat down and wrote a few pieces of poetry. And we decided to use one of his pieces titled Home under a track uh, of 15 second snippets of our team's weekend. We put it out on Thursday. We said, everybody send us 15 seconds of your weekend. Just show us what you're doing this weekend, 15 seconds only. Those flooded in. We put it under Marquise's poem and released it. And it was just this, it's the most amazing piece of um, art just sort of patched together of what it's like to, to be the people who work for us. So that stuff feels like Dixon Schwabel and it was sort of this brilliant way that the team came up with to keep us connected. Great. Thanks so much, Kim. Well, I, I want to turn it over now to, to Sean, I think, and, and, and talk a little bit about kind of similarly what the trajectory was like at, at ITX. So uh, very briefly, Sean Flaherty started innovating with software products back at 11 years old on his 8-bit Commodore VIC-20 in the 80s and never stopped. He studied aviation electronics working on F-14 Tomcats in the Navy, molecular genetics at the University of Rochester, and earned an MBA from the Simon School of Business in 2006. Most of, ex of his experience, however, has come from working in the trenches with his amazing clients, building innovative software products that move, touch, and inspire the world for over two decades. He is most fortunate to have the privilege of leading the team that is ITX. ITX has built a passionate group of inspired technologists and artists that produce magic every day for their clients. ITX is pioneering the way that software products are built and creating best practices that forging the way software products are built. Sean teaches MBAs at the Simon School of Business and speaks to leadership teams around the world on innovation, culture, empathy, and the momentum framework. His work has led to him earning recognition and accolades such as the 2019 Vistage New Speaker of the Year and Trust Across America Top Thought Leader and Trust Awards. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sean. Thanks, Andrew. <clears throat> Appreciate that. So I, I know that, uh, you know, you and I have, have, have spoke quite a bit, and, and I know also that, that ITX has, has also been recognized, uh, you know, as a, as a top workplace uh, many times. And, and so I know that culture has been a focus for you all, but for those that aren't as familiar with ITX, tell us a little bit just about what your organization looked like, uh, you know, at Maybe, uh, maybe at the beginning of March and, and what that transition looked like as, as all of this became clear that we were gonna have to go virtual. Well, as you know, we, we just moved our headquarters downtown. So we moved into the Metropolitan Tower, the ninth floor of the Metro, and um, had a lot of excitement. It was a new space for us. We had the opportunity to <clears throat> completely start from scratch and build a beautiful space. And there was a lot of energy. It was very strange to all of a sudden just have to turn off the lights and go home. Now, fortunately, we are, I mean, we're a company that moves bits and bytes around and pixels, you know, around the screen. Um, and similar, similar to Dixon in that case, it was pretty easy for us to just have everybody stay home. That wasn't a problem. Um, but it's the cultural, it's the cultural aspects that have become, you know, the top, top of mind and the thing that we're focusing on for leadership. Um, it's been interesting. I, I agree with, with Kim in terms of, 
I mean, everything she said, you guys have been some phenomenal stuff, Kim. So that was a great story you had to tell. Very impressed. Um, I think our productivity has been good, if not better than it was before. I, I, I'm not really seeing any issues there. I think our people are struggling in term, a little bit in terms of the folks that are um, here in Rochester are in, since we also have offices in Cincinnati and Tulsa. And, and I think those folks are struggling a little bit with missing their teammates and their colleagues. Um, we've done a lot of things similar. We've, we've done some happy hours. We do a lot of happy hours, virtual happy hours and, and social get togethers. And uh, I just came up with this thing. We're going to try to do work for a work from work day. The office has been open. People can come back in, but it's completely up to them. You know, we've given them the choice. Um, but they're choosing not to, and <clears throat> I understand why they've, they've settled into a new routine and a lot of them have children at home and they have responsibilities and I get that. So we're trying to find some unique ways to have them come back together and, and get that office in office experience back a little bit. Um, because I think we're missing that we're missing that social interaction and the friendships and, you know, it's, it's harder, it's much harder through a screen than it is when you're face to face. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely looking looking forward to the day that we can all start seeing each other in 3D again. So, Sean, um, yeah. we did come up with a unique thing for the office. What's go that? Ahead, Andy. No, go ahead. We did come up with a unique thing for the office. We've, we've come up with these colored bracelets um, so that when people come in, they choose a the color of a bracelet, green, yellow or red, depending on their comfort level with others so that we can be respectful you know, and a little more empathic of each other, how each other are dealing with, you know, the, the pandemic. Some people are at home taking care of elderly folks or, and some people are, are, are not so concerned. So, you know, we have rules just like everyone else. You have to wear your mask when you're walking around and you have to sanitize and do all the things you're supposed to do to, to stave off the in infection. But um, I think having the, the, the recognition of what your comfort level is, has been, you know, pretty powerful for the folks that are in the office. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is interesting trying to navigate people's comfort comfort levels. Everybody's at a, at a different spot, and sometimes that's just their own risk tolerance. Sometimes that's what who they have back at home, and and or, or what they have going on personally. But is there anything in terms of kind of the way that your leadership has changed, or your kind of typical week in terms of you know meetings or trying to stay connected? How have you tried to try to adapt to the to the new environment? For sure. We're definitely, you know, our CEO has definitely pushed us to communicate more with our people and, and interact more. Um, so more frequent one-on-ones, um, <clears throat> more written communications as well in terms of status and where things are. I, I do feel like our team has become more engaged with the work that they're doing. I mean, we've certainly be become more, um, more thoughtful about how we're spending our time, right? So like I said, if there's anything that's changed, it's just the frequency and the and the depth of the communication that we're making sure that we're putting out there in terms of the health of the business, the health of our accounts, you know, things that are going on, making make, making sure people have less to worry about because we know they have a lot of other things to worry about at home. Yeah, yeah. Now, is there anything along the way that uh, that you weren't expecting that 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 surprised you as you were as you were making that this transition or in the time since? Yeah, I, I do. I. I think people are much more busy than they were before. And I didn't, I didn't really expect that. Like I, I feel it, they feel it, they're communicating it. Like they feel like they're, they have to be on the screen a lot and they feel more busy. Like they're, 
doing more and working more than they were before. And that's, that frightens me a little, you know, I want to make sure people have a good work-life balance. And that's definitely something that surprised me. I didn't expect people to um, feel like they have to work more, they, but they are, they, they certainly are feeling that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. That was one of the, one of the questions I'm, I'm going to save for, uh, for when we get, kind of talk as a panel, because I, I think that, that, that kind of the balance and the, and the well-being over the long term is, is a really important piece. But before mm-hmm. we turn to Brian, I just wanted, I, I didn't know, were there any, sounds like those bracelets, you know, work in the office. Um, is there been any other, any other things that you've tried to do that, to translate the culture into a, into a virtual environment? Yeah, probably just the happy hours, the social interactions, the, you know, the things that we're doing. We're using Teams as well, and, and we've transitioned to doing recognition um, in that sort of a environment. And I think that's been, that's been kind of fun. We're seeing a lot of activity there. Um, other than the stuff that Kim talked about, nothing, that's, nothing that I think that's super unique that a lot of other companies aren't trying to do. Um, but it's, it's been good. Great. All right. Well, um, with that, then I'm going to turn it over to, to Brian Beal, who is the director of enabling tools at Paylocity. He's been with Paylocity for eight years and previ- previously spent six years at Paychex. His specialty is his ability to work with people to achieve their goals. At his core, he's a communicator and active listener with the ability to quickly analyze and assess the situation, understand needs, utilize resources, and work to diplomatically present solutions. He has successfully led many implementations within a specific product level and moved into a broader implementation role with implementing tools across the organization, such as CRM, project management, and knowledge management with a future focus on deeper analytics. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me. So, Brian, I know for for you, uh, maybe it was a little bit less of a change. Paylocity, you know, similarly has been uh, has been recognized as a top workplace, you know, for their culture. Uh, but but for the most part, it's it's always been in a, in a virtual environment. So, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about how your organization is structured, and then did anything change for you all when when March hit? Yeah, I think so. You know, having around thirty five hundred employees, you know, right off the bat, you know, about half of us were already remote you know, across the country to begin with. So we were somewhat used to, you know, that that type of environment. I think that the biggest change for us was our service organization. Um, you know, they, you know, were the the part of the business that were mainly, you know, in the office, you know, all the time, you know, and, and getting them, you know, moved to full virtual um, was definitely a, a pretty big lift, you know, for, you know, our, our IT organization. Um, you know, and it took us a few weeks, you know, to, to get everybody, you know, situated and comfortable, you know, proper equipment, you know, that they, that they needed. Uh, everybody did have, you know, laptops, you know, already, but, you know, getting them home, you know, making sure that, you know, um, they were capable, you know, of being able to, to work, you know, something as simple as, you know, reliable internet, you know, was something maybe we all took for granted, you know, for, for quite some time, you know, there. Um, you know, and then, you know, any additional equipment we could get them to, to help them out. Um, it was something that had to be really properly planned. You know, we, we didn't have hundreds of extra monitors, you know, lying around for folks that, that maybe wanted something in addition to just their laptop, you know, out there. Um, so our IT team had to really put together a, a pretty good plan of, you know, uh, sorting through, you know, who needed what and, and to get it to them as, as soon as possible. So um, I think it was, a, it was a pretty big challenge, you know, for them, um, you know, with that amount of people, you know, going, going full, you know, remote out there. Uh, I think they did a fantastic job, though, and making sure everybody, you know, was comfortable and set up and, you know, able to keep working, you know, for us. 
Yeah, yeah. So there, there was a, a little bit of a transition, but from, from from your own perspective, you know, having always have a, having always worked from home, maybe your typical week didn't change quite as much. But but what does your typical week look like? You know, just in terms of you know leading a a, a virtual team. Yeah, a lot of this on on Zoom. Yeah, that was a lot of folks that uh, you know hadn't had a ton of experience you know with, with virtual meetings. Um, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, Zoom I'm on probably 80% of the day, um, you know, out there. Um, so I think, you know, folks getting used to that a little bit more, um, you know, we really highly recommend, you know, keeping your camera on, you know, for, for Zoom meetings too. I, I know that sounds a lot easier said, you know, than, than done, but, um, you know, with, with not being in the office with, with folks anymore or, or people not used to being in the office and, and used to that face-to-face -face interaction, you know, having your camera on is a good way to still, you know, see people, you know, kind of, uh, you know, keep ourselves humanized, you know, a little bit, you know, as uh, as we have meetings and we speak, you know, with, with folks, um, you know, and an understanding that, uh, you know, even with your camera on and people seeing you, you know, doors might open, you know, in the background, you know, small small humans might, you know, creep through a, a little bit there from from time to time. Um, you know, but I think it's, it's something everybody's, you know, done a, a good job of getting used to and, and acclimating to. Yeah, that's actually one of the, one of the things I hope that, uh, you know, seeing, seeing people's, whether dogs or, or, or kids or whatever in the background, it, it humanizes us a little bit and, and hopefully we can, we can keep that, that kind of, uh, that kind of thing in mind when you, when you see somebody in their home as, as we're, as we're going into whatever the future looks like, that some of those things are, are, you know. Just, just now recognizing a little bit that this person is is a is a real human being, you know. Um, is there anything though, because because you all certainly have a little bit more, uh, you know, practice at, at building culture virtually. Other than it sounds like you know some of the, the the virtual happy hours and things like that 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 some organizations have been have been trying out. Are there any ways that you all, you know, when you're when you're used to just knowing someone virtually? I mean, there's probably people that you've led that uh, you know you you. You've, rarely if ever get to get to see in person so what kinds of ways have you tried to build culture and in, in relationships in a virtual environment yeah i mean i think it's you know so some of the basics you know i know sean was mentioning you know like one-on-ones um you know and, and using you know avenues like teams um you know we we also uh have a product within our space you know called community um that is kind of more of like an online you know form uh it was well where uh, I think our company has uh, many different categories of communities out there, you know, from, you know, sports to home brewing, you know, as, as Ken mentioned something about that before, um, where, you know, it's just trying to keep the interaction, you know, with, with, with folks up, um, you know, and, and that those types of meetings like one-on-ones, team meetings are, are that much more important now. I think than than ever before, um, so that you can keep your know, communication going, you know, with uh, with your organization, with you know individuals. Uh, those meetings always seem to be the easiest ones to uh, you know reschedule or push off to the next month, you know, out there. I think having those, you know, regularly, you know, making sure that your employees uh, feel like as as management, those are just as important to you as they are to them. Um, you know, keeps them uh, you know kind of connected you know, with, with yourself and with the team, uh, you know, as we all are, you know, at home in front of our computers. Yeah, perfect. Well, well, that actually leads me right into a, a question that I kind of wanted to pose to, to the whole panel is, is really being intentional about those, about those types of, you know, one-on-one -on -one meetings or whatever they are, because I think that 
you know, when you no longer are taking, going out to lunch with, with people in the office or just seeing them as you're walking in or at the water cooler or, or you know, in the office kitchen, um, you know, building relationships and being intentional about it is, uh, it, you know, it, is a real, has to be a real focus. Um, so has there been, uh, among any of you, any, any ways that you're really trying to keep those, those employees, you know, able to, to build and maintain relationships without some of those informal conversations? We started um, lunches, like virtual lunches. I have to say that they were well attended the first two times and then it kind of dropped off. Um, and it wasn't one-on-one, -on -one. it was you can just, we just threw an invite out there and if you could pop in, it would be like showing up in the kitchen and sitting down and having lunch with a coworker. Um, so we did try that. And as I mentioned, we do sort of one-on-ones from a management perspective, but when we're onboarding new employees and we have brought a couple of team members on in this environment, um, we do a virtual lunch with them. And then as a leadership team, we try to reach out on their first day and stay connected. And then we encourage their team members to make specific connections with them. Because I do worry about um, those folks who've never walked the halls of Dixon Schwab before, because there's a specific energy here and you feel it the second you cross the threshold. Um, and so how do we replicate that virtually? So I think that's a work in progress, to be honest with you, but we're trying some things out. Yeah, that's a great point. It's something I've heard quite a bit, actually, is, you know, sometimes lunch now is the only time, your only time away from the computer. So, you know, sometimes people may, may you know, as you were talking about, some of it may be dropping off a little bit. Sometimes people want to get outside or whatever. But uh, I, I think a lot of this is going to be, uh, you know, a little bit, of, little bit of trial and error. Anybody else? I mean, I think I think to echo a little bit, you know, what Kim there, you know, had said. I mean, it's it's important, I think, for our leadership group, you know, to to keep that um, you know, openness with our with our business. I mean, our our executive team has a, a weekly call on on Friday, open call, you know, with the organization where you know they're making themselves themselves visible more so than they ever have, you know, to the to the organization, um, you know, and it's a very open, you know, Q and A. Um, you know, they usually do lead off, you know, a little bit, you know, with an update, you know, on how things are going, you know, with the business, keep people connected that way. Um, but then, you know, throughout the week, they've taken questions or on the fly, you know, in, in the meeting too. And I, I think that's a great way to, to have the business still feel connected and understand like where we're going, you know, as a business also, uh, as you know, we're obviously in some pretty uncharted, you know, times right now. Um, and I think that makes people feel a little more comfortable. You know, we do the same with the, the virtual happy hours, you know, also out there, we've also started a, a multitude of, of ERGs, employee resource groups out there, um, and have them, you know, based on specific topics. One of them is, you know, remote, you know, work life, you know, out there specific to that. Um, you know, and there's others, you know, based upon either certain interests or, um, you know, anything that's happening, you know, out in the world today and, and trying to think of different ways to continue to keep people engaged with one another. I mean, that's obviously the ultimate challenge, you know, right now, um, you know, with the, uh, the times we're in. Yeah, for us I, to parent both of these folks, we've always, we've had a policy of like open, open doors for all the leadership and our um, CEO has, has held open office hours. Um, and we've done that at all levels of management especially when, when issues arise that we're worried about, you know, rippling through the culture, we, we proactively try to address that through open communication to the greatest degree possible. It's important. 
So one of the questions that I that I wanted to ask and uh, and and Jody also asked it in the chat was was more around just like like balance and and, and well being. Um, you know, I think that when when you're working from home, uh, I mean the the lines between home and work are are as blurred as ever. Um, so so are there any ways that you all personally are finding you know in, in your own in your own schedules to to find a little bit more balance or or any ways that you're able to help some of your your team find balance and then jody uh, you know adds in as well with with so much uh unknown coming with with schools and and you know for those with kids ways to be flexible so so in terms of the the, the balance the well-being and the in the family life what kinds of what kinds of policies are you either doing or or trying or experimenting with I think the biggest thing on our side is is first to to ensure that people feel comfortable being very open about their situations. And you know, everybody individually is in their own unique situation right now. Whether you have children, you don't have children, um, everybody's being affected by this in in some way. And you know, I know you know within my my specific team, you know, we talk about it a lot. And I know you know in some of those leader, leadership meetings we talked about too, is talked about. A lot also you know and I think uh, having those open communications and making sure people feel comfortable sharing like their experiences is is very important and I think we're we're about to enter another unique situation also you know we we've talked a lot at the leadership level lately about you know um, a lot of schools you know are going to be opening up um, and on the surface that seems like it could be a sense of relief you know for most, um, but at the same time, you know, we also have to prepare for, you know, anything to happen, you know, where we're right back to where we were in March, you know, again, uh, not saying we want that to happen, obviously, but we have to, you know, at least discuss the reality of that, you know, and making sure everybody, you know, uh, understands, you know, any sort of plan that they have or, you know, sharing, you know, the situation that they're in so that everybody's a bit more aware, you know, of, of what, you know, each individual is, uh, you know, having to deal with or, you know, uh, working different hours or anything like that, you know, as they, you know, kind of um, navigate, you know, through what, we get, what we're going through right now. Yeah, I think at the, at the heart of a, a good culture, and we learned this from the Great Place to Work Institute, which is the agency that certifies the um, top places to work, that at the core of a great culture is trust or high trust organizations. And so to Brian's point, if you're not starting from there, if you don't have um, mutual trust between employees and their leadership to be able to talk about the things that are stressing you out or bugging you, um, it's kind of hard to find a place or a pathway to go. But when you have that trust, you can look at the employees, at, at least in our industry, since it's service oriented, um, we try to abide by the judge me on my results, not the time that I'm sitting at my desk. But to Sean's point, people feel like they need to be at their desks all the time. I think it's a matter of having space to break away because it's just there. There's no commute home. There's no commute to work. You know, you're walking down the stairs or walking over one room and sitting at your laptop. So we've tried to be very intentional about offering guidelines and that they know they have freedom and the flexibility. We're really concerned about our families with young children and school-aged children. We're concerned about the people who have um, folks with um, compromised immune systems in their home or who are taking care of the elderly. Um, you know, Brian mentioned it, it's not just the parents and they're gonna take a huge load on, but it's, it's all employees. And so I think if you trust them and you know they're gonna get their work done, 
and your productivity levels are high, then, then kind of what's the problem? Let people figure out their days the way that they need to so that they're not carrying that stress into work. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of those things. I, I think I, we haven't issued any policies around it um, to answer your question directly, but I think we have an unspoken policy of take care of yourself, take care of your family, that family's first. You know, these are, these are important things for any, I think any business to embrace. Um, the business will wait, at least in our, our, in our world, you know, no, no one's going to die if a pixel doesn't get moved around. So we're not, you know, we're not in the medical field. So, you know, put your family first, make sure you're taking care of things. And then the, the work, you can get the work done when, when you have the time to get the work done and just make sure you're doing the best possible work that you can. You're taking care of your customer, you're taking care of your teams, take care of each other and that you're learning and growing too. I think that's another thing I'm worried about with my teams. We get so busy and we're so embedded in the work that people don't, aren't taking it enough. Um, and this is anecdotal. I don't have any data to support this, but they're not taking enough time for their own personal growth. And I, I believe that that's a really important part of your work life and business is to make sure that everybody's growing and learning along the way. So that's, that's probably going to be my next big push. Yeah, that's actually something that I've been I've been thinking quite a bit about. You know, I think in in some ways, you know, many of you were able to to transition without too much frustration mm -hmm. or or anything. You know, just in terms of to getting the work done. But then, how do we rebuild the you know the relationships and the and the in the personal growth and things like that? So that was actually another question that that came up in the in the Q and A around a little bit around uh, you know employee recognition and 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 some of those things. So have there been any any creative ways that, that you try to to recognize employees or, or or do some of some of those things in a virtual environment? I can give a shout for Paylocity here because we're a Paylocity customer, um, but they have a, a area of the um, service that we buy into called Impressions, and so on a regular basis we have an agency meeting that would happen in the building every Wednesday at eight thirty, and so now we do it virtually, and we have from the jump with the pandemic, and we intentionally read the impressions that people are getting from their team members. So an impression is kind of like a high five and add a, add a girl, add a boy for um, employees who are doing good things for one another at work. And we make a point to pick out a handful of them and read them every Wednesday um, just to keep people going, keep the energy going. And it's a really great culture connector too. Yeah, we, so we've been using Teams, I mentioned it in the chat, um, before that, we were using Potential Point, which was a roster-based company. Um, but we, we've transitioned to Teams, and they've got a recognition plugin that you can use. And it's very cool because when, when the recognitions get posted, everybody in the company sees them right in Teams. And you know, you get lots of feedback like right away, people liking it, commenting on it, sharing it. Um, and then we do the same thing in our all staff. We take a few to, to promote in the all staff to give people some public recognition for the great work that they do. Um, and the great culture that we're building together. We try to share that stuff around. We use it in our yearbooks. At the end of the year, we produce a, a yearbook for all the work that we've done and all the projects that we completed. Um, I see a couple of them on my desk at the bottom there. Um, so, you know, we try to do things to promote all the great work and, and give people recognition. I think we're, we're amplifying that for sure and trying to get a little more of that going and get, getting people engaged a little bit more in that um, department by department, it's important. Yeah, I mean, we're right in line with Kim there. You know, obviously we uh, we we call it drinking our own wine. You know, as we uh, use our own you know products in there. But yeah, I mean, the impressions is a great way. You know, to to be able to recognize people, 
Um, you know, I make it a habit if, you know, an, an employee of mine is, is recognized, you know, I'll, I'll take that email that I get, you know, as, as the immediate, you know, uh, you know, manager you know, over that employee and I'll, I'll maybe socialize it, you know, a little bit more, you know, uh, amongst my, you know, senior leadership group. So they're, you know, uh, getting a little bit of knowledge on that, that also, but, you know, certainly within team meetings, um, you know, uh, you know, we call that type of stuff out, you know, also and in, in making sure that people, you know, are, uh, you know, are, are understanding what people, you know, other people are getting rec recognized for, you know, inside of the business. Brian, while you're there, um, Bob had had a question that, that I know you answered in the chat, but there might be some other people that are that are curious about it. Just kind of what your typical, uh, you know, as a much larger organization, what your typical kind of meeting structure looks like. You know, as Bob mentions, ITX and Dixon Trouble could probably, you know, small enough to have some uh, an all hands meeting, um, whereas not not necessarily the case for Payloste. So tell us a little bit about kind of your your management structure in your meetings. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I mentioned earlier, you know, how we do have a weekly, um, you know, uh, exact, you know, Q and A out there. That it is, it is an all hands on deck, uh, very similar, you know, format to this, you know, where uh, everyone, everyone is muted, um, you know, and can ask questions, you know, either before, you know, the meeting, uh, you know, that that are gathered up, um, you know, or during the meeting also. Uh, but we've also increased the the frequency, you know, of our our senior leadership, you know, group, you know, which is kind of a, a director and up, um, you know, meeting where, you know, previously we maybe had those like once a quarter, you know, we're, we're, we're having those monthly, you know, now. Um, and it's really to ensure that, you know, we're you know, aligned, you know, as a leadership group and any messages we're trying to, trying to get out, trying to share, you know, with, uh, with our individual, you know, parts of the organization, you know, is, is consistent. Right. I mean, the last thing you want, you know, is, is for, you know, across a large business is, is different messages being sent out uh, about whatever, um, you know, and so the frequency of that you know, has has increased and even inside certain parts of the organization, um, you know, smaller pockets of leadership meetings have increased a little bit also. Um, so it's 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 the volume of that, you know, is is higher, you know, that it once was, um, you know, you we talked about, you know, not seeing everybody in the office or cooler talk, you know, as, as often as we are, um, so that, you know, we've been doing that a little bit more just to keep, you know, consistent messages you know, out there for our business. Thanks. Now, I, I'm curious as well, uh, you know, again, as we go from kind of the, the, the survival mode to, to figuring out, you know, what this is going to look like over the, the medium to long term, I'd be really curious, uh, you know, from from your perspectives, has anyone done any any? Um, well, obviously, Paylocity has, but any virtual hiring and onboarding, you know, and and how do you make how do you make employees feel included in uh, you know in the culture in a virtual way? I'd like to answer that. So we have done quite a, quite a bit of uh, hiring uh, virtually in during the pandemic here, and I think my team has thought very purposely about this. How do we get people to feel as though you know they're a part of the team quickly? Um, and one of the ways we're doing it is we're making personal phone calls. So just pick up the phone and call them, not on a scheduled time, and say, hey, I heard you, you're joining. Welcome to the team. Um, sending out a LinkedIn note with, you know, very nice, some very nice kind. So we're encouraging our team to actually reach out beyond the formal routes to actually meet with these people or meet these people and, and learn a little bit more about them. Um, at least that's something I've been doing and encouraging my, my team to do. 
Yeah, and I mentioned that we've onboarded a couple of team members too. And so we have um, departmental or team lunches with them as soon as they start. The leadership team makes outreach at, uh, um, immediately. And um, we also, this is something that we were doing pre-pandemic, but that we've carried through at our all staff meeting. We have a questionnaire that we have them fill out and then we read it live, which we don't tell them that we're going to read it live. So there's a little bit of hazing involved too, because there's some fun questions in there and they don't know that the entire company is going to hear their answers. Um, so that just brings a little levity to the day as well. But those are some things we're doing. Yeah, I think for, I think for us, so there's a lot of hiring virtually, you know, also, um, you know, I think, you know, that, that first week is really important. I, I feel, you know, um, anytime you start a new job, I feel I, I, anyone is nervous, um, you know, and a, and a little, you know, uneasy about, you know, stepping into something, you know, brand new, you know, out there. So that, that first week, um, there's a, there's a really big emphasis on, you know, uh, communicating and being very open about, you know, who we are as a company and, and what we're trying to accomplish out there, you know, and that involves, you know, uh, whatever position, you know, is being onboarded there, you know, that the leadership group is extremely present, um, you know, and, and also extremely vocal, you know, during, you know, that first week of, of onboarding. Um, you know, I've been in a couple sessions, you know, where, you know, even the executive group will come in, you know, over a group, um, you know, kind of give, you know, their backstory a little bit, a little bit, you know, make, make them feel a bit more, you know, human to the, to the folks, you know, coming in um, and then continuing to be present, you know, throughout the onboarding, you know, experience. Um, obviously can't be there all the time, um, you know, but, you know, making themselves visible is, is very important so that, that, you know, they try to make those employees feel as comfortable as, as possible coming in, um, you know, and then, you know, the frequency, you know, of, of meetings, like within the team and one-on-one, -on -one. Um, you know, I've talked about that, but we've increased that a lot, you know, over the, uh, the course of the past few months, um, really allowing someone new, you know, to, to kind of introduce themselves, share their story a little bit and have people relate to that um, is really important with helping people feel comfortable, you know, upon starting up, you know, also. So it's definitely been a challenge, um, you know, not being able to see people face to face. You know, I've, I've had employees before that, you know, it's been months before I've actually met them in person. Um, you know, so that, you know, keeping the frequency of meetings, you know, up with them, uh, making yourself visible, you know, on, on meetings like this, you know, on camera and in Zoom, you know, tries to give them as much comfort as, as possible, you know, when they get going. Yeah, Brian, Kevin's actually asking as well. Uh, his company is, is now thinking about starting a, a work from anywhere initiative, you know, and, and they're yep. trying to navigate the, you know, allowing employees to, to work from other states, logistics and, and engagement. Um, do you have any suggestions or resources or, or tips, at, at, you know, of kind of launching something like that? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I, my team that I have, um, you know, spread all across the country out there and in, in, in different states. You know, I, I think, you know, the challenge from working in any states right off the bat is actually getting everybody, out, you know, someone aligned on a schedule, right? You know, I have an employee that's on the West Coast. Um, you know, there's a challenge there when it comes to scheduling meetings and, and making sure that, you know, uh, I'm not getting them out of bed, you know, in the morning or, you know, they're not, uh, they're not scheduling time with me when I'm trying to put the kids to bed, you know, at night because of the difference, you know, like that, you know, I think, um, you know, it's, 
it's putting an understanding out there and getting on the same page, you know, of, of availability, um, setting the right expectations, like with your employees, you know, also, uh, that could be, you know, uh, you know, roaming a bit, you know, out there, um, you know, and then the importance of those one-on-ones and reinforcing those expectations is, is going to be really important. Um, you want them to be flexible. You know, you want them to feel comfortable being able to work, you know, where they need to in order to get the job done. Um, and as long as you're aligned on, on what those expectations are and, and, you know, as management, you know, you're, you know, communicating those appropriately and you're on the same page with your employees, um, you know, they know what they need to accomplish. You know, then they understand what your expectations are, um, and what you're uh, what you're looking for. You know, from them. Great, thanks. So uh, Bob had a question in the in the chat uh, about those dis- domestic interruptions. He called them that, that we were talking about earlier, and uh, and Sean wanted to wanted to, to handle that a little bit, and then if if the other panelists want to jump in, they can as well. Yeah, I think Kim, Kim talked about it a little bit earlier. I find it. I think it's an honor to be to have access to people's homes and their lives. And uh, I think when when there's a domestic, like a dog that runs into the room, and I mean, who doesn't smile when you see a dog? Come on, there's got to be something wrong with you, right? Um, or a, ch- a child peeks his head in the you know in the door. I think it's a I think it's an honor. And I don't. We're real humans, and this like like Kim said, we get to experience um, their real lives a little bit. I think it improves our empathy level, and we should be open to it and understanding of it and you know, I'm fortunate enough to have most of my kids grown up. My youngest is 15 now, so I, I don't have to deal with a lot of that stuff, but I, I find it to be an honor. So I love that word for it. It's exactly, that's a perfect word to nail how it feels. Honor. It's an honor. I know when I've been in meetings and a team member's um, child has opened the door and dove on their lap and they're, you know, kind of shoving them aside. I always say, no, hi, Al, come on in. You know, what are you doing? What are you coloring? You know, try to engage with the child so that the employees feel comfortable. Because I think that's your first reaction yeah. is, ah, I'm working. My kid's not supposed to be here. So I think you have to work uh, deliberately to make people feel comfortable to allow those disruptions. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of one of those things where when it happens to us, we're like, oh, no. But then when you see it happen for somebody else, you're like, oh, isn't that sweet? Fine. Yeah, please. Exactly. Yeah. It's about embracing it, you know, I think. I think everybody's has probably seen the video. I think it was the newscaster, you know, that, uh, you know, their kids, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, shot into the room, you know, running. And you could tell how uncomfortable, you know, he, he felt like right off the bat, you know, so, you know, uh, embracing it, you know, is, is something, you know, that, you know, I think, uh, you know, everybody's done a pretty good job of, you know, here, you know, and, and as Kim mentioned, I mean, um, you know, asking like, oh, who is that? You know, that's your dog. What's their name? Hey, that's your child. You know, what's what's their name? You know, so that, you know the next time that you see them, because you're probably going to see them again. You know, you you have that knowledge, and you know you make your you know your people feel comfortable about it. You know, and I and I think you know if if you're embracing that, you know, um, that's going to open up more people. You know, to do that, and you know, it's one of those things now that you know, as everybody says, you know, it's the new norm. Uh, it's it's going to happen you know, and it's going to happen again, um, you know, and I think if everybody is, you know, uh, you know, open to it and, um, you know, embracing the fact that, uh, you know, they get to meet, you know, more of somebody's family or, you know, their pets or anything like that, um, you know, it's great. I don't, I don't, it's going to happen. So, um, you know, I enjoy it, you know, at, at this point, and it's a great conversation piece, you know, for, for folks also. 
Yeah, you used to only get to see the the static pictures that they had on their desks of their family. Now you get to see the the moving ones and maybe even talk to them too. Um, Bob actually had an interesting question about meetings. Uh, you know, I think there's there's always that that temptation certainly of you know your your emails flying through and you're on your computer anyways and 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 he wondered if there was any uh, best practices or you know how you kind of felt about those that are checking in and out of meetings, you know, in terms of maybe they, you know, report on what they need to, and then they're doing some email over in the background. Is there, are, are there any um, expectations? Is that a, is that a no, no? Um, what, what kinds of things do you all do in, in terms of, uh, you know, your meetings and your expectations there? Well, I think it would be my response. I wrote it in the, in the Q and a section there. Um, I, I think it's impossible for you to dictate, that people can't be on their email or doing other things. That would just be a mistake. Um, Cause reality is reality. We have, we are naturally all some to some degree on a scale of ADHD. We all have it. And you know, there's, there's just, it's just not human to not be, if it's one-to-one, -one, that's a problem. Like if it's, a, if you're having one-on-one -on -one and you're also doing your email and you're doing something else then that can be a, a real problem. Um, but I encourage my people to push back on meetings that they don't need to be in, or if they only need to be in part of the meeting to, you know, take back their time because that your time, I believe, is your most valuable asset. And that's what we're paying you for. You know, that's what you're here for, for your time. So um, defend it and push back on meetings that where information in an email or in some sort of a status report versus having to, to defend it in a meeting or, you know, be in a meeting for an hour that you only need to be part of for 10 minutes. I mean, I, I, we're trying to make that a part of our culture to, to push back on, on those sorts of time requirements. I think now more than ever agendas for meetings sure. are important. You know, I, I've heard a lot of folks, you know, that, that aren't used to, to being on virtual meetings a lot, you know, come in and say, Oh, everybody's just talking over each other. It's, it's very hard, you know, to, to get things accomplished, you know, out there, you know, I think, you know, by, by having, you know, uh, set agendas, you know, for meetings, you know, around who's speaking, who's speaking one, um, you know, try to, you know, nominate uh, a, a bit of a moderator, you know, for that, you know, whether that's the person that scheduled the meeting or, uh, you know, calling that out at the beginning of the meeting, uh, I think is extremely beneficial, you know, for folks. So then, you know, as, as John was saying, you know, hey, if I'm, if I'm, you know, part of this 10 minutes of the meeting, you know, that's an hour long, uh, you know, maybe I pop in, you know, for that, um, you know, contribute, you know, what I need to, you know, and then I can, I can pop right out, you know, we're very open to that, you know, here also, um, but agendas have helped immensely, you know, with, with making sure that, uh, you know, we're getting through the meeting, you know, and, and people are spending the appropriate time they need to in there. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. Um, I think, the, the meeting journey has been interesting through this for us because in the beginning we were kind of all celebrating. Oh my gosh, we don't need, we don't need 30 minute meetings. We don't need an hour meeting. We we're getting meetings done in like 20 minutes and we get our time back. And then all of a sudden more meetings came on to fill the time of those meetings that were not an hour anymore. And now we're over meeting and we're inviting too many people to meetings. And so I, I think shifting the culture around meetings and being deliberate about that is sort of the next phase of this, at least for us. Um, I don't know if it'll go so far as, to have us develop a meeting policy, but we might need to, um, just to, to provide guidelines for people. So that was great advice with the agenda, Brian, thanks. I think one last thing too that, that we've done also recently, um, 
you know, around meetings is, is now especially being home. And I think somebody asked me a question earlier about, you know, how do you handle the back to back to back to back, you know, and the fact that maybe you have kids at home or you have like a, a responsibility at home, you know, to take care of, you know, we've really instituted a lot of uh, 45 minute meetings lately, you know, where, you know, normally it's an hour block, you know, let's schedule it for 45 minutes. You know, that way, you know, uh, and stick to that, obviously, is the most important part, you know, of it, you know, where you do give yourself a, you know, maybe the ability to come up for air, you know, for a minute, um, you know, for a few minutes before maybe your next meeting starts out there, you know, or take an hour meeting and, and make it a half hour you know, meeting also, or take a 30 minute meeting and make it a 15 minute meeting, anything like that, you know, to give yourself a little bit of time, you know, throughout the course of the day is extremely beneficial. Another question that, that Jody posed uh, that I wanted to pose to the panel, uh, you know, may, may or may not be directly related to, to creating a, a virtual team, but I think it is definitely in addition to this virtual environment, probably uh, the, the other main thing that companies are, are really focused on right now and rightfully so. Um, just Jody was curious from the panel on, on the diversity, inclusion, equity strategies, practices, uh, you know, the, the movement that's going on since the murder of George Floyd and, and, and many other things that have uh, sadly continued since then, um, you know, definitely brought that to the forefront of, of many businesses and, and made it a more, I think it's always been a priority, but making it a, a more urgent priority has certainly been uh, top of mind for many companies. So is there anything you all are, are doing and has the, the virtual environment, I guess, changed it or, or, or um, you know, is there anything else to, to be thinking about from that perspective? Well, we've always sort of had, um, sorry, Kim, give you a second. Um, we've always had uh, open, like our hiring policies, our CEO and VP of HR have been, I think, incredible at making sure that our hiring policies um, ensure that we have open access and we're trying to be as diverse and inclusive as possible in all of that. Um, it's, it's important to us. Um, I think it's important to all of us. It's important for our society. Um, so I don't think anything for us has changed in that regard. Um, but we did decide to make a, a pretty big um, contribution in, in Measures for Justice, if you guys are familiar with those guys and what they're doing here in Rochester, an incredible organization um, that's trying to bring data transparency to the criminal justice system. And it's uh, not for profit, so a little plug for them. If anybody, you can go to their website and donate and, and help them out in any way that you can. But they're using software and data and systems to really improve the transparency of the of the criminal justice system. I think that doing that alone will have will make us will help us make tremendous strides, you know, in the in the equality movement. Yeah, I think for us it forced a deep examination. We we were making strides and what I think we would have deemed as progress, but after the murder of George Floyd and um, the the activity that ensued after that, we really stopped and we made a, a very deliberate decision to listen. To our team and so we started hosting private listening sessions virtually um, voluntary and just kind of understanding what people were feeling where they were at and then taking a really hard look at ourselves and understanding what we needed to do as an organization um, to start to really have an impact and and make a difference um, but do it in a way that was going to be actionable and not just words so some of the things that were born from that is we, we launched our and so we um, amped up the DEI initiatives around that. Um, we've formed an external panel of 
uh, folks that we ask to review our work before it goes live so that we can make sure that it's um, inclusive. And then um, we're examining our hiring practices and our hiring policies. And then we've started a series of workshops called Black Businesses Matter, which will launch next month where we're offering small business um, advice and support through these virtual workshops. So a few very small um, steps in progress forward, a long way to go, but those are some things that we've instituted. And for us, um, you know, I talked a little bit about some of those uh, those employee resource groups, you know, that we've started before you know, with the ERGs. Um, you know, we've set them uh, a few up specific, you know, to uh, to certain topics, you know, out there. You know, whether it's you know the the Black Lives Matter movement or, or anything else like that. Um, you know, being a, a larger organization, you know, um, I think Paylocity recognized, um, you know, that with being a larger organization that, you know, kind of results, you know, uh, being a, a more diverse, you know, organization. Um, we actually just recently hired a, a chief diversity officer, you know, into, into the business. Uh, you know, as we understand that, you know, um, yes, you know, maybe small steps have been taken, you know, in, internally here, you know, as a business, um, you know, that that's, you know, maybe just a start, you know, and, and not enough, you know, for, for right now and that, you know, we need to uh, include or we need to continue, you know, to, to have conversations and, and ensure that, you know, uh, our you know, employees feel comfortable, um, you know, with, uh, with what we're doing as a business, the messages we're sending as a business, you know, out there um, and continue to have, you know, those conversations as we go forward. Thanks. And, and yeah, uh, Jody actually adds in the chat that there's uh, some resources available, including the uh, a plug for the Rochester chapter of the National Association of African American Human Resource Professionals, uh, who's been holding town hall meetings uh, that have been great forums for, for HR, HR professionals to share both the, their best in class strategies and practices, as well as some of the challenges that they're facing. So another thing worth checking out. Um, I also wanted to highlight a question from Regina Bailey. Uh, Kim, you mentioned earlier that you had conducted an employee survey pretty early on to see where, where people were and, and how they were feeling. Um, have any of you been conducting employee surveys regularly since, both to kind of see where people are, but also um, maybe even just to get ideas or suggestions based on their feedback for, for how to build culture in, in this virtual environment? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just give a little bit more on our survey. So the first one we sent was um, a mix of understanding how people were doing at home. Again, sort of a mental health, professional health check. Do you have what you need? Do you feel comfortable? Um, and then also starting to get a gauge for um, what their comfort level was with the future of working from home versus return to work. So that sort of set this baseline understanding of people's fear factor, because that's really what it was in the beginning. It was strong fear. I'm not at all comfortable until you can, until either we don't have a virus or we have a vaccine, or you can make me 100% certain that I'm not going to get sick at work, which is what we expected to hear. And so then that kind of informed us as we started to build our return to work plan, again, very arbitrarily, not knowing what the pandemic was going to do from a trajectory perspective. But um, we then did a second survey and got some deeper knowledge around that uh, about six weeks later. Um, and that really did inform the policies that we've put in place about return to work, which is we started back in the office this past Monday. Um, but it's completely voluntary. As Sean had said, there's nobody that's going to be made to feel 
um, obligated to come into the office until they're 100% ready. So um, we'll continue to just sort of follow their lead and, and let the, the people drive this. We, we haven't done any surveys, like we've done a couple surveys, but nothing, nothing that's been that impactful um, or that direct. So. We've done a few, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, some of them like right at the beginning, it was, was actually kind of focused on, uh, as I mentioned, like our service organization, it was, uh, was the one organization that I think that our, our business was probably most nervous about, you know, moving completely virtual. Um, you know, so there was a survey that was sent out to them, you know, about, uh, you know, what they're struggling with, you know, with going virtual so that we can turn that into, you know, kind of a, an education seminar, you know, for them, you know, and, and then bring in people, you know, that, that have been virtual to, to help them out, you know, a little bit, you know, within that seminar, um, you know, and then there was recently one, you know, sent out about, um, you know, going back to school, um, you know, and, and how, you know, parents were having to, you know, adapt to that. So again, uh, I think they're going to be coming out pretty soon here um, with another seminar internally around just helping um, in, in, in giving advice, you know, to parents, you know, knowing that, you know, either their kids are still home with them, you know, full time, half the time, um, you know, if, if they're going to be, you know, going full time and then maybe having to come back, you know, home again, um, just helping prepare, know people and as much knowledge as possible um you know and share experiences too um you know so that people uh you know, can get you know any any knowledge they can you know to help them out great well uh somehow we were we've only got a few minutes left uh the, the time has been flying by we've had a really active discussion and, and so i appreciate that and appreciate all the all the questions coming in i think maybe a good way to uh to start to wrap up I'd just be curious from each of you, um, you know, as you're, as you're looking to the future, uh, what, what have you learned? What, what kinds of things from, from this experience are, are you going to take forward? You know, even, even if whatever, whatever virtual, uh, you know, whatever normal looks like, um, will there be more flexibility, you know, in the future? Have you, have you started to think about what does it look like, uh, you know, as, as we move forward and, and, and what have we learned along the way that, that we might want to want to keep even when we don't have some of these same restrictions? Yeah, well, I think uh, I'd like to figure out a way to keep the, the family interaction and the, you know, the, the sort of camaraderie around figuring out how to make things work. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of positive impacts on the culture as well. It's not all negative. Um, so I think we, we got to tease those out, figure out what they are and, and determine ways in which we can, we can keep, keep that energy going, you know, keep the momentum. Do you think there will be more flexibility or are you in terms of working from home or like, did you have any kind of work from home flexibility or policies before? Well, we always, we always did. I mean, most of, most of our folks have had the ability to work from wherever it's not. Um, and they often go to client sites. So, you know, you know, we don't really know where they are or, or pay much, pay much attention to where they actually sit. Um, I, it's going to cause us to question how much of how much space do we really need? I think that's going to be a common, a common thing for lots of businesses. Um, if people 
truly have and feel as though they have the full flexibility, will they will they come back to work? Because except they can now. Now, obviously, we have the pandemic going on, so there's lots of other reasons why they're they're not coming in. But when it all set, when all is said and done, it will be a different it will be a different environment, um, and I think we'll have learned a lot and we'll be better for it. I agree. I think flexibility is the thing that will be the the biggest change factor here and not only flexibility in terms of work environment uh, or work day, but flexibility on hiring practices, um, the availability, which we've always had the availability to access talent everywhere, but opening our minds to the fact that we could have talent work remotely, which we've done in the past, but it's always been an employee who started with us that's moved to a different market um, or when we've had satellite offices. So just opening our minds a little bit there and thinking about what that could look like or some of the things that I think will be different for us. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what we've probably learned the most is actually like how amazingly resilient so many people are, right. um, you know, when it, when it comes, you know, to this situation, you know, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, everybody's going through it in, in a different way. Um, you know, there are similarities, similarities, of course, you know, between, between folks and, and stuff, but I think we've you know, we've always had the mindset. I think in our organization that that certain components of our organization, you know, had to be you know in an office. Um, and I think we've learned that that's not the case, you know, anymore. Um, and that you know our people you know are you know fully capable of of being remote and and still getting you know uh, a very quality job you know done. I think you know it, it's also. I think been a really good, you know, practice for, um, you know, the management within our organization too, uh, of, you know, understanding how important those connections are, you know, either at a team level or an individual level, you know, with their employees and that the, the consistency, you know, of those, uh, and the importance, you know, in, in that, you know, um, you definitely lose sight, you know, a lot of that, you know, I think, uh, with being in an office a bit more and, and thinking, you know, oh, I'll stop by their desk or oh, they'll stop by my office. You don't have that, you know, anymore, um, you know, being fully remote. And so those, those types of one-on-ones and team meetings are, are that much more important. But, you know, our staff has been you know, extremely resilient, you know, through this. And I've, I think it's definitely opened up our eyes, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, a remote workforce is, is something that we can actually expand upon, you know, more so than we've had, you know, before. And, it's definitely, you know, changing our minds into thinking how things will look, you know, going forward as, you know, I think we're still, we're still in a period of uncertainty, you know, on how, you know, looking forward would be. So resiliency is definitely the biggest thing that stuck out to me. Yes, a lot of uncertainty indeed. And I think we're going to find out a lot over the next, the next month or so in terms of kids going back to school and in colleges and everything like that. So probably a lot of, a lot of flexibility yet to come, but, uh, Brian, Kim, Sean, thanks so much for joining us today and, and really showing you know, proof positive that, that your organizations are able to build a conscious culture, even in a virtual environment, even if it, is, it requires a lot of flexibility and it's probably still uh, always in flux um, and, and a lot still to be learned. So maybe we'll have to do a, a follow-up panel because this was, this was one of the, one of the best, uh, best attended and, and most uh, engaging panels that we've had, and, and we really appreciate all of your your feedback and as as audience members, all the great questions and, and answers that were going on. Uh, we will be this this was recorded, so we will be posting it to our 
to our Conscious Capitalism YouTube channel. So if you missed anything or you want to share it with anybody, you can certainly do it there. It'll also be posted as a podcast if you just would like to listen to the, the audio version. Uh, but if you are a first time or, or not on our mailing list, you can go to ConsciousCapitalismROC.org. And basically just every month we'll, we'll be having a, a panel like this, probably virtually uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, on any number of topics, you can certainly reach out to me directly or, or on that page if there's any specific topics that you'd really like to hear about. Uh, we're always open to hearing what those are. Thank you so much to our panelists and to everyone who joined us today. Hope you have a great rest of your day and hope to see you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank Take care. Thanks for having us, Andrew. Bye, everybody. Thanks, as always, to all the evolutionaries out there listening across more than 30 countries around the world. We hope that you found it to be both inspirational and full of actionable insights to guide you on your own evolutionary journey. We've grown this movement entirely by word of mouth, so if you know someone who might find value in listening to this episode, we'd be deeply grateful if you'd share it with them. And of course, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening app so that you're notified as soon as we release new episodes each week. Together, we can evolve business toward a more conscious capitalism.